Good morning. I heard that a few of you may have hooted with the owls last night. So I'm going to watch and make sure that you don't get too sleepy. Anyway. Can we pray? Let's just bow our heads and pray before we begin. Holy Father. God of the universe, thank you that we little creatures here get to bow our heads and come before the God that's way beyond anything we can fathom or comprehend in your greatness and in your power. And yet we get to come to you this morning. Thank you. Would you make this little time this morning a blessing? Please, Father, don't want to waste our time. Make it worthwhile and help me to be a proper mouthpiece for you and what's on my heart. Bless these dear, dear brothers and sisters and friends in Christ Jesus. Please, Lord, would you bless them this morning. Help us, Lord, each one of us. We want to be faithful to the very end through all the storms that come our way. Help us be faithful, Lord. Amen. A young man came up to me yesterday and asked me a question. <clears throat> Something to this effect. What percentage is influence the reason for the falling away among, I don't remember if he classed some of my peers or a common falling away. What percentage do you think it is of that this thing of influence that we drew out here on the board, these ropes pulling us around, what percentage do you think that has to play? And we talked back and forth a little bit and ultimately I told him, I don't know. But I do think it's something that plays in on almost every, I don't think almost, I think it plays in on every one of the ones that have fallen away, and it plays in on every one of us that hasn't. I think it's a huge thing. As Laura and I, my wife and I, were pondering this concept, staying faithful through the storms of life, we, I came at it from different angles, but one evening we were sitting and talking, and I told her, well... Help me, I'm not sure this is the right angle to come at, but let's think about some of our friends that are no longer with us. And why do you think that is? And so we'd pull someone out from the past and talk about their life and what affected the decisions they made and what was it that was a major influence in their life. And so, you know, I... We came at this topic that I'm sharing here from a bunch of different angles, and that was one of them. And as we pondered, and as I thought and prayed, and I'd like to share what I feel is another big one this morning. I do believe yesterday was a big one. But I want to share this morning what my personal opinion is another big one. A reason that people aren't faithful through the storms of life. And here's the title for this morning. Staying faithful... And the clothing of humility. Staying faithful and the clothing of humility. I want us to open our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. And look at this clothing that's talked about here just a little bit in 1 Peter chapter 5. Many times in the scriptures, or a few times, we find the writer of the letter that we're reading will single out a group of people. Ye servants, and then give instructions. Ye young men, and then give instructions. Young ladies, and then give instructions. Wives, husbands, and he singles out a group of people. Here in 1 Peter, Peter is singling out in verse 1, Elders which are among you I exhort, 
And then we jump down to verse 5, and he says, Likewise, ye younger. And so he's singled out a group of people for verses 1 through 4, and now he's singling out a group of people that he has a special message for, starting in verse 5. Now, most of the time, in each of these groups of people that he singles out, we can grab something even from one that we aren't, from a category that we are not in. Even if I'm not a wife, I can actually still learn things in the verses to wives. But when we find a category that specifically grabs us, we should pay special attention. And that's what Peter does here. Elders, verse 1 through 4. Now verse 5, likewise ye younger. And that is you and that is me this morning. Okay? This is our category. Pick up your ears. Hold your pencil a little tighter. Think just a little more earnestly. Specifically, you and me this morning. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed. There's this clothing. And be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I'm I'm going to back up here. I wanted to make some comments on these. Last night, last night, I slipped out of some of my clothing a little bit. And I sensed it in my spirit. And I felt vulnerable. As I was with some others, I noticed in my spirit, just in my heart, I slipped out of the clothing of humility. And I'm not trying to say that to say that um, I'm always under the clothing of humility. I'm learning. But it's so sweet when God says, Mickey, you slipped out of it. You need to be ashamed. Because that's the way we are without clothing. We're ashamed. Mickey, you slipped out of that clothing that I want you to walk in. And I noticed in my own spirit that I slipped out. Slipped out. I repented and I wept and I said, I'm sorry, Lord. And I tried to climb back in. To climb back under. It was a confirmation to me that this was what I was supposed to share as I saw my own heart flip out and come back in. <clears throat> it was also a confirmation as I talked with a brother the other day and then also even this morning with another brother and then also this morning with my parents. You know how we say, why don't you put that on the shelf a while? You know that little saying? A burden, a thought, a question about our future. And we say, you know what, I'm going to put that up on the shelf a while. Well, I think, I forget, maybe I was talking to my parents. Sometimes I feel like I've got a really big shelf. There's a lot of things up there. A lot of burdens, a lot of longings that I don't think are all wrong. And I don't think God thinks they're all wrong, and I don't think my authorities think they're all wrong. But many, many, many times... I feel inside, Mickey, stick it back up on the shelf. Whether it comes from God in my own heart or it comes from my authorities, Mickey, stick that burden on the shelf. That doesn't mean I don't care about it anymore. That doesn't mean I don't long to see it come to fruition anymore. It just means it's not your place and it's not your time. Stick it on the shelf. And I don't know if any of you ever feel this way, but sometimes it feels to me my shelf is really big. But when I put it on the shelf, something I think happens if I truly do it in my heart. And I'm not kicking, and I'm not resenting, and I'm not struggling. Do what I'm doing? I'm submitting myself, and I get some clothes. And it's a beautiful, protecting, safe place. It's a huge issue to help us stay faithful. Put on this clothing of humility. Because God resisteth the proud. 
There is something, something in connection here. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And so we think, yes, we need to humble ourselves. And we, he just said, submit one to another. And so we're talking about submitting to some other human being. But then he says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's something about when we submit with a <clears throat> truly humble heart unto someone over us that we're submitting to God. Do you see the connection? Submit to men and then humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Just go right together. And there's a clothing A protective clothing. Whether you're going into the pig pen and you slip on some coveralls to cover everything up before you go into the pig pen because you want to keep the mess off of you. Or whether you're in the kitchen and you just slip on an apron. You're trying to keep the... It's a protective covering. Or you're a firefighter and you're headed into a burning house. You put a protective bit of clothing on you. Humble yourselves, young people. Submit yourselves. And you know what you do? You get into some clothing. That's a protecting clothing of humility on our lives. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Casting, verse 7, casting all your care upon Him. The stuff on the shelf? Oh yeah, that's putting it on Him. Here, Lord. My shelf? That's your shelf. The things that sometimes I'm called to lay down, the burdens, the visions, the longings, the whatever it is that are godly. If they're not godly and they're not holy and they're not pure, they don't go on the shelf. They get kicked out. But I'm talking about the ones that are right and good in their proper time and their burdens. And when we stick them on the shelf, that's putting them into the hand of God. That's casting our cares on Him. Because He cares for us. He cares for the burdens that we have. That are like his. He cares about them. But we put them on the shelf. And we climb into this clothing. We say thank you Lord. And there's protection there. Casting all your care upon him. Now note verse 8. This verse 8 is set right into your and my setting. And your and my special verses. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Let's say a truck just went past out here on the the highway. And it was headed to a circus. And they had lions in there. And they said, we're so sorry. The police came knocking on the door and they wanted to let us know. There's some lions on the room here. We had an accident. The lions got out. Okay, I'm, I'm painting a silly picture, but you get the idea. And so there's lions right in this area, and we all know it. And the uh, police or whatever come to just warn us, just be careful when you step outside and, and don't go one by one. And... All right, break time. Want to go for a walk? Even if you did want to go for a walk, because inside of some young men is the idea, well, yeah, let's go see if we can see this thing. There's going... <laughs> There's still going to be a caution in your steps. And you'll step out the door. And you won't step out the door just laughing, talking about other things. Look, you're going to be vigilant. A lion is out there. And that's the picture Peter wants to give us. Be careful. The lion's out there. And young people, he has devoured so, so many people. I believe that... I need to continue to grow in this. I climb out of my coveralls too often. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to get hurt. But when you climb in them, in the clothing of humility, there's a rest and a peace and a safety there. We'll keep talking and I hope, I hope you begin to get the pictures. I try to paint this picture and bring it into our everyday lives. <clears throat> There's a beautiful safety there. I have... There was one dear young man that I loved and respected very much. I was only 15, maybe 16. He was about my age. 
And we were having some meetings. We lived in Idaho at the time, and we were having some meetings, and he sat at one row ahead of me for some of these meetings, and he was intent. And he was taking notes. After the meetings, he turned around. We were ta- or after the, that one service, he turned around, and we were talking a little bit, and he made some comments to me about, isn't this just such a blessing? I'm afraid it's going to be over too soon. And here I was at 15 and 16, kind of wishing it would be over sooner. And he made that comment to me, He's afraid it'd be over too soon and he's enjoying it. And it spoke to me. Mickey, why do you want it to be over? Why are you in a hurry for it to be over? Why don't you love the things of God? And then a little later, we were outside at my house. They came over, they were from away. They came over and we were actually outside. I think we were even on the sitting on the trampoline or maybe we jumped a little bit. And again, I was 15 or 16. And he asked some other questions. We began a bit of a discussion, and he stimulated my heart. He was hungry at 15 or 16. And he had a hunger for the things of God. And he sat on the edge of his seat, and he took notes. And so here we are playing in our free time, and he wants to bring up some of these topics. And so we discussed them a little bit. I honestly don't think I was as a real good stimulant, probably. He stimulated me. I still remember that. It affected me. He was a hungry and a thirsty young man. But as he grew up, I think he didn't clothe himself with humility. As I watched him with his burdens and his longings, there were things he had he didn't stick on the shelf like he should have. Some of his burdens and longings weren't all wrong. But he didn't put them on the shelf. He tried to carry them out. Authorities gave a little direction. You know, he he barely came under. And he didn't clothe himself with humility. And today, it's awful where he's at. I never would have dreamed it. And I just use that as an illustration as I ponder. And I could pull up another story. A dear young man I spent time in Africa with. And we preached the gospel together and rode the trails together and, and... I think he didn't properly put on the clothes of humility. And it's the same thing. And he's in a very, very awful place. There's something about that the younger we need to learn to clothe ourselves in humility. We must. I find a deep sense of spiritual blessing from God when I climb in. There's just a blessing that hovers over my heart when I'm willing to be quiet. I'm willing to not push my things. And there's a place to talk. And I I hope I don't swing the pendulum in what I'm sharing. But there's a spiritual blessing when I know my heart is thoroughly enshrouded and clothed with humility. When I know, okay, I still wrestle sometimes with my own self. And okay, was that pride? And was that... I understand those wrestles. But let's wrestle. And be careful with it. And watch carefully and say, God, help me to be clothed and covered in this protective place. It seems there's a deep sense of peace of what life holds and will hold. To me, there's a peace that settles on my heart when I stay in these clothes of humility. Many of you probably know the book, If, a couple of quotes from that. If I do not feel far more for the grieved Savior than for my worried self when troublesome things occur, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I do not feel far more for the grieved Savior than for my worried self when troublesome things occur, then I know nothing of Calvary love. And when you just stay in the covering and protection of humility as us, as the younger. There's a peace. I don't have to be worried about me. It's okay. I have my protection on. <clears throat> I can more easily care deeply about my brother and long to feel with him and deeply care for him when I have this clothing of humility on. I can. I'm not so concerned about me, and so it's so much easier to care about my brother or my sister or the needs of others. 
If I have not compassion on my fellow servant, even as my Lord had pity on me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Compassion on my fellow servant as my Lord had on me. If I have not the patience of my Savior with souls who grow slowly. If I know little of travail, a sharp and painful thing, till Christ be fully formed in them, then I know nothing of Calvary love. When I wear these clothes of humility, I can more more easily care about my brother. Somehow, self-consciousness is diminished when I'm clothed properly. Self-consciousness is diminished. I have my clothes on. It's okay. I have my clothes of humility. I don't have to worry about me. I know my Savior's love. I know that I need my brothers and my sisters. And I know that I want to be a part of them. And I don't have to be self-conscious. There's something of a rest that comes when I put on my clothes of humility. Insecurity is lessened. Insecurity, a little concerned about someone thinks of this. Or what if I say that wrong? Or what if I do this wrong? Or whoops, that was a dumb action that I did. And now that probably looked foolish. If you, clo- if you, if you get in your clothes of humility and wrap them all around you, it's okay. It's not that important. Insecurity is lessened. Trust and rest breed easily in the clothes of humility. Trust and rest. They breathe easily. And it's such a beautiful, glorious thing to have. Turmoil, wrestle, concern about myself, all those things. And burdens for others can abound when I have the clothes of humility on. Burdens for others can abound. Because I'm not so concerned about me. It doesn't have to be about me. It doesn't have to wrap. Everything doesn't have to center around me. I have the clothes of humility. Protection is there. So. What are these clothes of humility? We've talked about a little bit. And how can we find them? How can we find these clothes and learn to put them on and wear them consistently, constantly? How can we do that? In 1 John, let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. Just back a few pages in your Bible. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. We know this verse. If a man say, I love God... And hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Our true spirituality is played out in human relationships. Did you hear that? That's deep. That's what John said here. True love for God. True spirituality is played out in human relationships. Relationships. We cannot say we have much humility before God and only a small amount before man. Can't do it. That's not the way it is. Oh yes, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And uh, Brother Harold is sharing that beautiful verse that I love about humble, humility, broken and a contrite heart. All those things. And so we, if we enter into our closet and think we have a brokenness and a humility before God, but we walk out with men and we can't get along. And there's relationship problems. And there's struggles. You know what? You probably don't have your clothes on right. Because when you're clothed with humility, relationships this way can also work. And I realize to have perfect relationships, it takes two to do it right. So I know sometimes the other may not respond rightly. But that's not your problem. Your problem, my problem, is that we're clothed with humility in all of our relationships and with others. So we can't say we love God, but we don't love our brother. That doesn't work. 
One of the best ways of reading our brokenness before God is noting our humility before man. Because it's the same thing. The way we relate with people and the way we relate with God. I feel one of the most difficult issues in life is actually a hallmark, is to be a hallmark of a true Christian follower. One of the most difficult issues in life is actually to be the hallmark, the thing we're noted by as followers of Jesus. And that is beautiful relationships. And you know, one of the keys to beautiful relationships, humble yourself and submit yourself. I want to learn that. I need to learn that. Humble yourself, Mickey. Just put on your clothes of humility and it's okay. It doesn't have to be my way. There's protection there for you. I want to look at four aspects of this clothing. Four different aspects. Number one, opinions of me and of my brethren. Opinions of me and of my brothers and sisters, how do I view myself? And how do I view my brothers? How do I view my sisters? How do I view my authorities? A couple of verses I'm going to flip to here real quickly. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> we, we all know Romans chapter 12, 1, 2. Those are some of... The ones that are favorites to me. Then in verse 3, for I say, through the grace given unto me, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Can you remember, can you remember this picture we put up here on Monday or Tuesday, this large picture, and then we have a dime-sized hole and we're peeking through that? Can you remember that when you have an opinion? Can I remember that when I have a burden? And I want to see something happen, and I want to see something go forward, and I think something needs to change in someone's life. Remember, I only see a dime-sized portion. Don't think too highly of my opinion. And honestly, I'm just thinking over myself, and I was just talking with uh, my parents this morning about some burdens on my own heart, and you know what? I think that, I think my opinions are kind of important. I think I'm right. My, my opinions, my perspectives. And honestly, if I didn't think I was right, then I probably wouldn't think. I don't know how all that works, but... I need to temper all of that with the realization I just see a dime-sized portion. Mickey, don't think of yourself too highly. Don't think you're so important. Don't think your burdens and your longings and your perspective are so sure and are so right. Do you know that that's a huge problem with... What was the category we were looking at? Younger. Do you know that's a huge problem with us in the younger category? We all understand it. If I put it in the picture of one of my children, one of my children comes to me and they're convinced that thus and thus needs to happen. Oh, I I didn't write an, an illustration down here and I should have. And so I'm grappling for one from one of my children. And they'll come and they'll be just be sure that this is what needs to happen. And they know it is. They can see it. It's obvious. Well, they don't see the whole picture. They actually don't understand quite what they're asking for. Um, I I should have had an illustration here. I'm I'm not coming up with one. But you understand. And a child comes and says, Papa, you need to do this for me. And and please do. Because this is what needs to be done. And well, actually, daughter, um, if this happens, then this happens. I have a broader perspective. And she needs to submit to me. She's younger. She doesn't understand. She doesn't even see a dime-sized portion. She sees a pin-head-sized portion. And she doesn't see it all right. Younger, us, remember that. Don't think too highly of yourself and your opinions. There's something that happens as we go on in life. Remember this picture. 
And remember, let's say we're seeing through this dime-sized portion, we see this beautiful mountain lion. Remember, we talked about that perched there on the branch, and it's just beautiful and muscular, and, and things are. we just look at that and we marvel. And then we saw the picture of just below it. If we could see another little dime-sized picture, we saw the, what did I say? Did I say a fawn? A beautiful little fawn just innocently growing down there, perched, hiding among the branches, and her mother has left the fawn there, and now this mountain lion's about to pounce on it. Well, it's obvious what needs to happen. We need to grab that fawn and get out of there. We need to scare this. Well, let's say from our perspective, it's obvious that we need to shoot the mountain lion. But what we don't realize is that just beside that fawn, coming up sniffing on it is actually a nasty-looking coyote. And the mountain lion's actually aiming at him and not the fawn. Oh! Let the mountain lion kill him! Go for it, mountain lion! Our perspective changed. We got just a little bit more of the picture. Right? When I'm set, and I'm just fairly sure I'm right with my visions, my desires, and what I think needs to happen, remember that. Do you remember that? Don't think too highly of yourself. When you do, it gets you in trouble. And you climb out of any clothes that you had on of humility. And you make your own decisions. Or you push your point and you're vulnerable. And so, so, so many of the younger fall. Don't do it. Be careful how you view yourself. Be careful how you view your opinions. To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Just bring your lofty ideals down, Mickey, and realize you just might be wrong. I don't think many of you know how pertinent this is to me. I have burdens. I have longings. I have opinions. But you know what? They may not be right. So I stick them up there on the shelf. And I'll let God decide if there's time to bring them down. And I don't want to be a lazy Christian that just says, Oh, well, I'll just wait until you know the, the sky. I don't want to be. I want to be diligent. I want to be moving forward. I want to be an earnest follower of Jesus. But I've got a lot of things on my shelf. And you know what? You probably should too. You probably should too. There should be some things up there that you're just saying, You know what? I'm not sure. My dime-sized peak isn't big enough yet. I'm just not sure. Be careful of your opinion of yourself and of others. I'm going to go to just to Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, esteem, esteem other better than themselves. So that means when I have an opinion and I'm just sure that my opinion's right because it's obvious, look, look through my dime sized hole. It's quite obvious what needs to happen to that mountain lion. It's clear. Shoot him, get rid of him. And if you do, the fawn will die. Oops, I didn't see it all. Esteem others and realize brother, sister, father, mother, church leader. Authority in my life? What's the dime-sized hole you see? Or maybe you have a quarter or a bigger-sized hole. What is it you see? I'll stick mine up on the shelf for a while, and I'll listen to you. <clears throat> I remember a dear brother, he, older man, not older, I'm just picturing compared to the younger, so he's in the elder category. And I remember watching him in brothers' meetings and noting down, I want to remember that. He was the lead elder, and he had the responsibility and the authority and the wisdom and the age and those things. And we would sit in a brothers' meeting, and he would share something. But if someone, if he started talking at a similar time as someone else, in fact, if he started talking first and someone butted in, he just stopped. Go ahead, brother. But what were you wanting to say? I noted that down. 
I respect him highly for that. I've watched him even now. He's a humble man. He has clothing on that's beautiful. And he stopped. Oh, go ahead. What, what were you wanting to share? I think he earnestly valued others' opinions. He was probably wiser than 90 whatever percent in there. But he was wise enough to realize his dime-sized hole wasn't everything. And he wanted another peak. Have you ever found yourself daydreaming? And you're playing a discussion with someone in your mind, whether it's an authority or a friend or anyone. And in this conversation, you're playing out whatever the issue was, you come out on top. And you had the answer and you were right. You ever have those? Maybe you're not like me, but I have those. I've had those. And so you go down through, you're wanting to talk with this one person and you're thinking about this subject. Maybe you've already talked with them a little and you actually don't agree with them because... And so you form these arguments and concepts and back and forth in your mind. And, and of course I come out on top because I'm right. Oh, what happened to your clothes? If you take those clothes of humility off for too much, too long, there's a lion out there that's waiting for you to get those, that protective clothing off. Remember First Peter? There's a lion just hoping you'll get that protective clothing off so he can get you. You ever found yourself desperate to share something in a discussion and just wishing others would be quiet for a little bit so you could say what you have to say? I've been there. Now maybe some of us, some of you don't have as much desire to say or as many opinions as I do or something, maybe... Just Could you just be quiet a little bit? What I have to say, and you don't think it straight like this, but what I have to say is more important than what you're saying, so please be quiet for a little bit. Again, you wouldn't say it. But inside there's this, um, wait a minute, just put your clothes of humility on. Tuck your thought in the back of your mind. You'll bring it up later or jot it down for me. I have to do something so I don't forget it. Because that doesn't mean it's worth, worthless. It's good to share and be open. And then sit there and try to hear what the other one says. Esteem the other one. There are two couples that my wife and I deeply respect in this aspect of life. They're older couples. Their children and I are all, um, almost all married, gone, raised a family, and they deeply love Jesus and they love the kingdom of God. And we've invited both of them over. We're audacious enough, I guess, to invite people we really respect that, Maybe don't feel like they have time for us, but we're pushing in anyway, like I shared on the, the other message. Invited them to our house, our place, and sat down, and we start talking, and we want to learn. We, we, we come, when we ask them to come to our house, our heart was to learn from them because we deeply respect them and some of the choices they've made in their life and the fruit of some of their lives. And do you know what happens? We begin talking, and they start asking us questions, and they draw us out, and they draw out our life. And what have you been doing? And, oh, that's beautiful how God has used you. And and they're concerned about us. And we looked at each other and said, wait, we want to learn from you. And we try to draw, and they're willing to share, but they care about us. They want to further us. They want to prosper us. They care about our lives. They don't seem to have a very high opinion of themselves. And again, don't take me wrongly. They're not demeaning themselves, but... That's not their focus. Their focus was how to bless us. And so they were concerned about us in our lives. Be careful how we think about ourselves. There's a little statement that I've thought of many times. A young man, he was the disciple of an older one. And this young man was got up out of his seat and he was headed forward. To preach. And he was a young man, and a Moravian prayer was from the desire of being great, dear Lord, deliver us. From the desire of being great, dear Lord, deliver us. A Moravian prayer. The hardest thing for God, a Moravian prayer was from the desire of being great, dear Lord, deliver us. From the desire of being great, dear Lord, deliver us. A Moravian prayer. 
The hardest thing for God to do, a Moravian prayer, was from the desire of being great. Dear Lord, deliver us. From the desire of being great. Dear Lord, deliver us. A Moravian prayer. The hardest thing for God to do, prayer of being great. Dear Lord, deliver us. A Moravian prayer. The hardest thing for God to do, and superlatives are dangerous, hardest, so this may not be true, but get the point. Sometimes I wonder if the hardest thing for God to do is to bless a man and not ruin him. It's hard for God to do it sometimes, to dump out rivers of blessing and anointing and grace and power over sin and power to walk forward without Him taking off a little bit of clothing and exposing himself to the lion. Number two. Number one was my opinions of myself and my brethren or others. Number two, clothing of humility. Number two is a learner's heart. Take on a learner's heart. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 5. There's a little verse I want to read there. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. I think it was in a Napa Auto Parts. I was standing with my father and I would have been, oh, I guess where it was, I would have had to have been maybe 10, somewhere around there, 10 years old. I was standing in a Napa Auto Parts. Store And my father asked a man a couple of questions about oil. He was trying to decide what oil to buy. And this man started talking. And he started talking about ash-based oil and paraffin-based oil and explaining the difference and how oils have evolved. And he started talking, and he actually talked for a little while. And after we left, my father turned to me and he said this, Mick, when someone who knows what they're talking about starts talking, listen. It was just oil. But I've remembered that lesson as I stood with a man who had knew about oil and its bases and what happens to it and refining processes and what makes good and what makes bad. And, and he just said this. It wasn't a big deal because it was about oil, but I tucked it away. Somehow I remember it. He said, Mick, when someone starts talking that knows what they're talking about, listen. And that's why we stood there. Maybe I asked him, why did we stand there so long? I don't know. Young people... When someone who knows what they're talking about, and you see the fruits coming out of their lives, and they start talking, listen, with your heart, with your ears, with your mind, earnestly listen, with your pencils and your pens, listen. Take a learner's heart. The heart of a man is like deep water, but, when a, man, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Take on at least a little understanding and learn how to draw out deep counsel. And sometimes it's the simple way of asking questions. Ask questions. I gave you an assignment that I hope you'll do yesterday. You'll take your chart you drew and you'll take it to an authority and say, work with me on this chart. Help me evaluate. Help me learn. Help me know where you think I should change. Well, how, what should I work on? I gave you an assignment. A learner's heart will take that. And I'm not saying you have to do that exactly. I'm encouraging you to, asking you to. But you'll take things like that and you'll say, I want to learn. And you go to someone and you'll draw counsel out of them. And you'll sit down with them. Share with me. What do you see? What should I grow in? Draw the counsel out of them. Take a learner's heart. And also remember, you can learn spiritual lessons from almost anyone. Not just those older than you. Watch. Even those younger than you. You can learn something from almost anyone. Even those who fail. Chuck it down and learn it. Take on a learner's heart. Hop in this beautiful covering and clothing of humility. And be okay to be the learner. Not have to be the one with answers. But be okay to be the learner. Remember, can I point back to my earlier illustration? Dime-sized hole. How can I learn? How can I get just a little more peak? And I'm going to talk about that again tomorrow. How can I get just a little more peak at the real picture, the way it really 
is, and I mentioned this, I think, yesterday too, don't wipe off others' strengths or gifts as personality. Seek to learn from them and grow, especially if it's your weak point. Don't just wipe it off and say, well, that's their personality, their personality type. I'm sorry, I don't know them. Don't just do that. They have a strength in this area. Learn from them. Take on the learner's heart. Number three. Number three. Aspects of this clothing. Furthering. Learn to further the cause of another. Learn to push forward someone else's burden. Someone else's dream. Someone else's being the one who's leading the way. Learn to push that one forward. Whether it's your parents, whether it's your church, whether it's your, another brother or a sister or a ministry in a city or wherever it is, learn to push another one forward. I am so blessed. I love to look at Barnabas. You know Barnabas? You've probably heard of this before. But you know how Barnabas came and he saw the Apostle Paul and he took the Apostle Paul who was converted and yet people were scared of him. Remember how he tried to appear and they said, Whoa, Paul, this is the man who killed us. And they were scared and Barnabas came and said, Listen, this is brother Paul. And he took Saul and he pushed him forward. Later on, he went and got him from somewhere else and We could go look into his life. We're not going to. And he went and got him somewhere else. And then later on they were sent and Barnabas and Saul did things. And Barnabas and Saul, and after a while it became Paul and Barnabas. And Paul becomes the focal point. And do you know what happens? Barnabas steps back, it seems like, as the prominent one. But do you know what else he did? He saw John Mark. And I wonder if Barnabas looked at Saul and said, Paul... By this time, Paul, I know you don't want to take John Mark, but do you know what I did for you? I want to do it for John Mark too. And I don't know what happened with the tension between them, but I know that it was healed. You find them together, working together. You find them later working together. But he took then John Mark and he lifted him up. Have you ever read, is Barnabas one of the four Gospels here? It's not. But Barnabas could push others forward. He could further the cause of another. A truly godly man, I quote, is one who gladly works as an assistant and associate, humbly helping another achieve great things. That's hard for humans many times. A truly godly man is one who gladly works as an assistant and associate, humbly helping another achieve great things. The great fault, I think, in our missions, said an aged missionary, is that no one likes to be second. That's not living and walking clothed with humility. And young people, in today's day and age, if we don't learn this, I shared with you earlier, the lion will come. If you take off some of that protective clothing, he'll come. If my interest in the work of others is cool, if I think in terms of my own special work, if the burdens of others are not burdens... Of mine too, and their joy's mine, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Just the whole concept. I knew a, a brother out in Idaho, he used to give this illustration. You know how children play the game, you put hands on top of each other, and whoever's on the bottom tries to get on top? He said, That's not Christian. Here's the right game go to the top, and go down and push the one up, and go underneath. Go them off the top, go down underneath, and push the one. And it's just a game, I don't have a problem with the game. But do you see the picture? I like that picture. Furthering the cause of another. No, you, you get up there. Oh, here. You, you. What would happen if we sat around in a brother's meeting and these were our hearts and we all had these clothes of humility on? Help me see, brother, from your dime point of view. I'll submit. I'll stick mine on the shelf. And I realize there's a place for leaders, but especially he's saying, you younger do this. And that's you. And that's me. Number four, 
Restful humility incites worship and is worship. Restful humility shows an opposite of the world's state of mind. And God says, yes. Restful humility. And there's an incense that rises to the throne of worship. And it worships our God. Humility can wait. I think humility has a shelf. People walking in humility, there's a shelf. And they put things on the shelf. And they leave things on the shelf. Humility can wait. My burdens and visions don't have to be seen by all right now. Christ's example reminds us, I quote here, that outstanding results are more likely to occur when we wait for God's timing rather than moving ahead on our own. When we wait for God's timing rather than moving ahead on our own. Humility says, I have a vision, but I can wait. Sometimes humility gets the concept that, oh, it doesn't have visions. It's just kind of humble and lowly and we all just sit in our corner. No, no, no. True humility cares about others and the things of God. And so vision and burden will be stimulated and opinions even and all these things and what needs to change and what needs to happen because you want to see true holiness flow out of others' lives and your life, your family's lives and those around you. And so it'll have a vision and it'll have a burden. But if I need to wait, I can wait. Because I need others to be along with this. I'm not plowing it ahead on my own. And when God sees that, that's worship. And when the devil sees that, he doesn't like it. Because there's a clothing of protection on him and the lion can't get through. There was a deer gifted young man who joined up with a group of preaching men 150 years ago. And he was a gifted young man and he had been through different places of ministry and he joined this other group and his assignment was, first thing I want you to do is I want you to go down into the basement and I want you to black all the boots every day of your comrades. And you clean them And you wash them and you get them ready for them. He says, I wrestled a little, but then I realized I was being promoted to cleaning the boots of others. And he bowed his head and I quote, had fellowship each morning while down in the cellar blacking boots. Yes, I'll clean the shoes of my brethren. I'll do it. It's okay, I want to see them further. I don't have to be the one doing what they're doing. I'll support them in doing it. Furthering the cause of another, that restful humility that says, okay, I'll I'll black the boots. God says, thank you, son. You have a clothing of protection over your life. (laughs) Young people, can I plead with you? Put on this clothing. You look at your own life and you look at your situations in your life and climb into this clothing and it'll protect you. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 and I want to pull out um, I think I will. I was going to say 19 applications out of Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to give 19 applications. We'll see what happens with time. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love. I'm going to read down here to verse 3. Being of one accord and of one mind. In verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in number 1, how should it be done? Someone say, all of you say it. In? Ask God, number 1, ask God to give you a lowly mind. Ask Him. God, give me a lowly mind, please. 
The saying goes, you may not be what you think you are, but what you think you are. Heard that before? You may not be what you think you are, but what you think you are. Be careful. Ask God to give you a lowly mind. God wants to give us a new heart and change us and clothe us with humility. Not because he's trying to put us down, but because he knows it's best and it's the safest place for the younger. You, and you, and you, and me. Okay? Clothe yourself with humility. Put energy in it. Ask God to give you a lowly mind. Number two, control your thoughts about yourself. We talked about that. Number two, control your thoughts about yourself. We talked about sometimes this daydreaming in conversations and comments and opinions and working with others in ministry and family. And Don't bash yourself. That won't bless anyone either. I'm weak in this. I do a little too much of that sometimes, and I think I do it most of the time offhandedly. But the issue isn't to push myself down. That's not necessarily lowliness of mind, but lowliness of mind is not concerned about me. It's concerned about others. Control, number two, was control your thoughts about yourself. We go on in verse two, and it says, Let each esteem the other better than themselves. Number three, meditate on the strengths of your brethren, of others, maybe I should say. Meditate on the strengths of others. Realize he, she has a strength there and I want to learn from it. There are times of weakness and we can come alongside and realize there's weaknesses and try to help and encourage, but meditate on the strengths. You're esteeming another. Speak words number four. Speak words of blessing and appreciation to others. There was someone who did that to me. And I've had many people who did that to me. But there's someone who stands out to me. I took a job. And I was just, I was doing countertops. Corian and granite countertops. And it stuck out to me. He's not someone I knew. He was just my boss, so to speak. He wasn't my parents that loved me. He wasn't, he loved me too. He was a... A dear brother and an older minister and influence in my life. But he wasn't of kin, you know, and he just gave frequent comments of blessing and appreciation. And it blessed me. It helped me. I appreciated him probably even the more. And we could speak very directly, but learn to speak words of blessing and appreciation to others. Number five, look for ways to serve our brothers, sisters, others, in little things. Look for ways to black some boots. Look for ways to wash the floor, clean the toilet, do the little job, and support what someone else is doing. And do it with a free, humble heart in the clothes of humility with joy. Number six, Study your own heart. Be careful. When you're esteeming others, make sure you study your own heart. This is number six. Study your own heart. Where does your own heart really see yourself and your brother? Number seven. Ask God to truly give you a heartfelt love that is fervent. In 1 Peter 1.22. A fervent love. Ask God to give you, as you're looking to esteem your brother here in Philippians... Ask God to give you a fervent, heartfelt love. Back in Philippians, let this mind be... uh, Let's see. Sorry, what verse were we at? Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I'm sorry, back in verse 3, let the other esteem others better than themselves. Be slow, number 8, be slow to interrupt and quick to allow them to interrupt you. Remember what I mentioned about that, dear brother? Be slow to interrupt. Just watch yourself. When you want to go plowing into the conversation, why is it? Be slow to interrupt and quick to allow others to interrupt you, as I mentioned about that one dear brother and elder. Number 9, look for ways to put your brother forward. 
Look for opportunities. How can I encourage him? How can I bless her? How can I push them forward in what they're doing? How can I say words that will lift them up in what they're doing? Number 10, be a good listener. Sometimes the tendency is, I've got to keep track of my thoughts, and I've got to, so that I say what I want to say and what I feel is important. And there's a time I know we need to do that, and it takes effort. But be a good listener and try to hear what someone is really saying. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Number 11, try to see what they're saying from their perspective, their history, and their background. As the saying goes, walk a mile in their moccasins. Walk a mile in their moccasins. See it from the way they see it. Realize from the perspective they're coming from. And put on those clothes of humility that bring rest and peace and safety. Number 12, look for ways to forward your brother's ministry or dreams. Look for ways to forward their ministry or dreams. How can I push someone else's burdens forward? Number 13, pray for your brother's prosperity, his family, his ministry. There's something about prayer that shows how humble we are, I think. Because if we can minister and serve in ways that are seen and do this and that, but our prayer is very limited, I'm afraid it might show some, some wrong balance. Someone with clothed with humility is willing to labor in the behind the scenes and weep and pray to further someone else's cause. Not just have to be doing it themselves. Number 14. Be willing to do or not do something for the sake of others. Clothes, cars, houses, words. It's okay. I cannot wear that. I cannot do that. I cannot go there. It's not about me. How can I bless others? Be willing to do something for the sake of others. Of others. Number 15, search for the feelings of your brother and hop in the puddle with him or her. Search for the feelings and be someone who's understanding and you hop in their mud puddle with them. You're going through a difficult time, you're going through a hard time. Hop in with them in your own heart and feelings and join them in their wrestle and in their struggle. And clothe yourself with humility and just join them and understand them and look from their perspective. Do you see? It's about others and it's about Him. Number 16, encourage when you see mistakes. Look on others' things and encourage when you see mistakes. Number 17, let's help each other even financially. There's something about when you give and it has to do with money that it helps put your heart there and helps keep your heart the right place. And then here we have our Lord Jesus in Philippians who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. He went down. Took upon him the form of a servant. Down. Made in the likeness of men. Down. And being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself. Went down. Became obedient unto the death. Down. Even the death of the cross. Down. Number 18. Don't strive for position. Don't strive for position. Even in your own mind. Watch your mind. Don't let it strive for place or position. Number 19, and I realize some of these overlapped here, but you just meditate down over these. Look for ways to serve another and push him forward. First Peter chapter 5. All of you go back there with me. Likewise, you Bible school students, Submit yourself 
to the authorities that are in your life. Yea, all of you, learn what subjection is. Learn what humility is and be clothed with humility. Climb in to this wonderful, beautiful, restful, protective place of humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due season. Verse 8 and 7, I guess, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Verse 8, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. That lion is watching. And if your coveralls come down a, a zip or two, and your arm slips out, he sees it. Or if you're walking without it completely, he sees it. Please pursue <coughs> wearing <coughs> excuse me, the beautiful clothing of humility. I want that. You need that. I need this. <coughs> Let's pray. Father, would you please help each of these young people to take their dreams, their burdens, their concerns and their perspectives and climb into this suit, this clothing of humility so that they can make it in the long haul. Lord, you know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be if I would have taken some of my thoughts and dreams to where I thought they should have. If I would have had my way and my opinions, I don't know, Lord. But I don't think it'd be good. Father, I pray for these dear young people. Would you help them to clothe themselves with this mindset? They're needy, and they need you, and they need others, and they need their elders, and they need their authorities. And Lord, I don't know the situations in this room, but I'm sure, I don't know all of them, but I'm sure there are some where authorities maybe don't always seem to be doing the right thing. Lord, give them grace to stay completely clothed with humility. Because when they step out of that, Lord, you know it's so dangerous. And we've seen so many get devoured. Father, protect us, protect them. And help us, Lord, to wear this protective clothing in Jesus' name. Amen. And I thought I'd just make a couple comments. I, I, as I was praying, I thought of it. I guess you heard. I realize it's not our authorities aren't always doing everything right. And sometimes we see that. That doesn't matter. It's so dangerous. Maybe you all could come up with illustrations too. But when young people step out from their God-ordained authority, even when there's wrong things, it's dangerous. Be careful. Don't do it unless you have, and I realize sometimes you work with more than one authority and so you're wrestling with more than one. Walk humbly. Keep self out of the way. Stay clothed with humility. God bless you all.